Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Playful Humans podcast. I'm your host, Mike Montague, and we have a great show for you today. My guest this week is Mr. Fish Lee. He is a comic book illustrator. You can find him at GoMrFish.com. A couple of cool new books out, a lot of cool stuff behind him on the wall there if you're watching on YouTube. And I'm really excited to talk to him about how you launch a Kickstarter campaign to do something creative, maybe turn your fun hobby into a profession and play for a living. That's what we're here about at Playful Humans. So if you want more information about rediscovering the power of play as an adult, go to playfulhumans.com. like to start with the joke of the week here on the podcast. The joke of the week this week is brought to you by self-driving cars. Eventually, there will be a country song where the guy's truck leaves him. Uh, self-driving cars. What is the best thing to do with a blue whale? What's that? Tell it a joke and cheer it up. <laughs> yeah. All right, good. I got you on that one. Do you have a joke for us? All right. Why did chicken coops only have two doors? I have no idea. Because if they had four doors, it would be a chicken sedan. <laughs> <laughs> the it's chicken so sedan. Bad. I love it. <laughs> I love that. That's a good one. I haven't heard that one before. I have been laughing at that joke for 20 years. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a chicken, chicken poop joke. Uh, but uh, awesome. I love it. Get us started on, on the right foot. I guess let's uh, start with what you've been up to lately, because I think it's super cool and creative. And I think you're doing it in a way that maybe people haven't heard before. So tell us about your latest Man, book and, and projects you got going on. Well, I am Mr. Fish for Mr. Fish Comics. I have illustrated like over 30 indie comics over the last few years. You can see a lot of them behind me if you're watching the video. Um, I like to keep them on the wall as inspiration when I'm having a bad day or I'm not feeling good. I'm like, you know what? I got this. We can get something done today. Um, I get to sit around and draw superheroes beating each other up in their underwear all day. Like that's my day job. And that is freaking amazing. I am making sound effects and having fun and just having a big old time sitting here drawing all day. It's been my dream since I was a kid. And now in my forties, it's actually my full-time job, which is awesome. But right now I am actually stepping out on faith. We we're running a Kickstarter right now as we're filming. We've got a couple of days left right now for my book, Green Zone Life in the Blocks. And if it's successful, hopefully by next year, I will be doing just my book. And I'm super excited about that. I love getting to illustrate everybody else's books, but to be in charge of the show and get to tell the stories I want to tell, I'm super excited about. And it follows a group of superpower genomes on their first shift on the police force as they're trying to earn their citizenship back. Because in this world full of people that get born with superpowers, they're viewed as like weapons waiting to happen and supervillains, you know, know on the rise so they get shoved into green zones which are these inner city slums and the only way out is to prove that you're one of the good ones and you know earn your way by serving 
for five years as like the police force fire department, something like that. And we're following these cops as they try and earn their citizenship back in a world that hates them. And hmm. it's so rich for storytelling and it's so complicated and there's pain and joy and struggle and all these things. And I get all excited about it. But the coolest thing, I mean, this takes me back to like being a kid is everybody that I've shared it with all, everybody that's done a variant cover or my publishers, whoever that's read the book so far, they get so excited that they start writing stories and making up characters and stuff. And that reminds me of like wow. when you're a kid and you watch star Wars and He-Man and Thundercats and I got all excited and I'd be out in the backyard and I'd be pretending and making my own worlds and to know that I'm encouraging other people. I'm spurring that imagination. Oh, that is the good stuff right there. That that's the best part. That's way better than the Kickstarter part. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I love that, too. That's part of the mission of Playful Humans is to inspire and encourage other people to do that. But I also think um, it's really cool. Even the world you created, I think you made some really good choices there about, you know, uh, genetic mutants and stuff give you so many creative ideas. It's basically hmm. a blank slate where you could do any sort of, of variation uh, and you can that. deal and with can create their own characters and they can oh, see yeah. themselves in different characters because it's not so like um, cookie cutter. And I feel like that's one of the lessons I try to preach a lot is that if you try and make a comic book like everybody else's or you try to make a character that's everybody, it turns out terribly. But if you mm -hmm. create something really special and unique and with a lot of. Um, different stories and a lot of different takes at it, then you actually reach more people because you have a more, you know, diverse idea and a more unique idea that, mm -hmm. that stands out from the People crowd. are so hungry for unique ideas. They're so hungry for something new and not just another knockoff of XYZ, whatever that is. And like, I've been amazed how many people have been so excited about my book just because the characters aren't wearing capes. And, but there's so hmm. many superhero comics and there's so many indie superhero comics and you know and frankly there's a whole lot of comics that are just this is my knockoff of superman and this is you know my knockoff of batman and you know they're hungry and dying for something original and something new to take them to some new imaginary places and spur their own imaginations in new ways and if you can come up with anything original or just take something of yourself and apply it and see where that takes you, people are hungry for it, man. There's, there's, there's a place for it. People want to share that with you and enjoy it with you. <laughs> yeah. I love that message. And I, I think people are fooled a lot of times because they see what makes it, they see what gets published. If you're looking at Netflix, it's more likely that they remake lost in space than it is they pick up an indie story because they mm -hmm. know that that lost in space story is proven. It works. They can buy the rights to it. They, they, they've told that story. It's connected with humans before, but you can't get discovered that way. You can't, if you're trying to create something for yourself or if you're, um, I call it like a, a middle-class creator. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but like there's only so many people that are going to be rich and famous and get a million dollar movie deal. So you can still make a living for yourself and have a really Absolutely. great life independently. And I wanted to ask you about the indie comics part of that and, and how you've done the career side. I like to joke that 
I pay my bills drawing comic books. Nobody's going to read, but like I work for like very small press indie books that usually are selling like 200 copies or so on their Kickstarters. And it makes enough money for the creators to keep moving and they keep paying me to do more issues. And so, you know, we keep moving along and it's very small press. I like to think of it as like, you know, the small batch artisanal vegan, you know, like things like, yeah. like it's for a very specialty market, but the fans really love it and they're really into it and they're willing to pay a premium for it. So it's great. And it's never been easier with the internet and social media to connect with those kind of people around the world. It's never been easier to like make things like this happen because you've got digital on-demand printers that can print one issue of your comic. If you want to like, I could do a Kickstarter and if I sold five issues, I could print five issues. I don't, I'm not stuck to having to print 50,000 issues like back in the day. You know, my local printer wouldn't even consider it if we weren't doing over 10,000 print run before. And I was like, well, that's more than I want to spend on that. Yeah, exactly. But now like, I've been paying my bills for the last three years doing books that are going out to two, 300 people. And that is an awesome thing that we couldn't do before. And, Oh, it's so easy now to get connected to this and find an audience that's interested in what you want, whether it's comic books or children's books or making a new role-playing game or making a new board game or a card game, like you can get, cards printed so easily and make up your own card game. A friend of mine does these small batch card games and hires another friend of mine to do 3d models and they get these little miniatures made and they get little castings made of them. And you can buy this set with the little characters and the cards to go with it. And it's freaking awesome. Oh, I love that. I want to make a game so bad for, for playful humans. I'm still working on narrowing down what the idea is, but I love your, your point there. I think even if you're just doing it as a hobby, if Mm -hmm. you drew and illustrated a comic book about your family and went to the library, they'll print you 10, 20 copies for your family at the next holiday. And that's a great thing. That's a great way to spend Mm -hmm. your time. You're expressing your creativity. And uh, one of my favorite creative Seth Godin always says that like, you have to test the minimum viable audience first. Like if your family doesn't find it interesting and share it with somebody <laughs> else, then what are the chances that millions of people will, right? Like oh, yeah. there's nothing wrong with going to that 10, 100, 200 and like audience I did and a, just crushing it there. One comic book I did, literally I printed eight copies of because like a church that I had helped plant had finally it had broken up and it, everybody's going their separate ways. And so I made a little comic book that was just about our journey that I gave to the pastor and some of the other families that had been there the whole time, just to celebrate the time that we spent together. And it's like 16 pages and it cost me like two bucks a copy to get printed. And it looks just as good as any of the other books hanging on my wall. And, you know, it cost me next to nothing to get them printed up. And they, they look so nice. It's so easy yeah. now. Like that banner on the stuff. wall behind you. I made a giant, like six foot long banner mat for a role playing game that I play. And uh, cause it's, it's a superhero setting in a modern world and you can find like far sci-fi mats or fantasy mats, but I couldn't find like modern day city. So I made my own 
print it up like 30 bucks and roll this thing out on the table, set some buildings on it. Boom. We got a city we can play all day. It is so much fun and it's so easy now to stretch That's out amazing. and do this stuff. It don't have to necessarily be a profit or a hustle. You can do it for fun, you know? Oh, a hundred percent. And this is uh, actually Lego. So it's made out of 10,000 oh. Lego uh, pieces there that, uh, that I did myself as well. You know, it's like, Hey, mm-hmm. I can uh, get a set and customize it and put my, buy some extra pieces, put my logo on there and, and, stuff and have my own cool creation. And I, I think, um, all of those are just, I, I think people make excuses maybe sometimes, or they get nervous about what people think or, or critics. And for me, it's really about doing it for yourself. When you do it for yourself, uh, none of the rest of that matters. If you think it's cool, that's all that matters. And if you don't think it's cool, keep working on it mm-hmm. until it is cool for you. I always, I always have people asking me like, you know, well, what if I make my first comic book and it stinks? And I'm like, it's going to. It's, it's absolutely yeah, going it's to like the sure. first time you did anything, <laughs> the first grilled cheese, the first pancake, it stunk. It was bad, but you get better and you keep practicing and you, and there's a lot of things about it that you're going to look at, look back at and be like, Oh man, that was cool. I did that. You know? Yeah. It was a little rough around the edges and yeah, the lettering was bad, but I did that. And that's awesome. And I still look back at some of the stuff I did in like junior high and, you know, get a little tear in my eye. And I look back at stuff I did like four years ago and I'm like, I can't believe somebody bought that. But, you know, I've gotten better and better and better and better. And now, like, you know, I'm pretty good at this. And that's an awesome feeling. And I wouldn't be there if I hadn't stepped out and done it. The only way to get good is to be crappy first. Uh, Absolutely. For sure. I love that. And I love what you said about looking back on some that I think about in my career, some of the shows or speaking events I've done, like opening for Billy Idol or Frankie Valley. And uh, I wouldn't do it now. I wouldn't tra- trade the life I have now for the life I had then. But I'm really glad that I took those swings when other people were too nervous mm-hmm. to grab the microphone, that I stood up and got up in front of people and, and did things like that. You go, that's cool. Or a book I wrote or, or something else that it's like, man, oh. even if it's not good, I wrote a book on LinkedIn and obviously things in the Internet change so fast that seven years later, it's not the best book on LinkedIn out there. But I got a book published by LinkedIn about LinkedIn. Like that's a pretty cool that's awesome. thing. I get to say that for the rest of my life. Right. Yeah. I want to ask you one. It was one of my favorite questions here before we get, get too far is um, did you ever lose your way? Did you ever feel like you had to sell out or uh, get a cubicle job or something and then have to rediscover it? Or you've said you've loved drawing since you were a kid. Were you able to kind of make this your career the whole way? I have, I have pretty much worked in some kind of art almost steady since in high school, Uh, like drawing portraits of people's girlfriends for them. Or, you know, I did a couple of like local company logos and stuff in high school. There are a few points there where I like work gas stations and stuff after college, but I, I was trying to get jobs in video games after college because I studied 3D computer animation and design, which is absolutely useless to me now because it's 100 generations separated in the software. And I don't even know how to speak what they're doing now. But I was trying to get a job in video games. And every time I go to a, you know, this giant corporate office in Dallas or Chicago, and they'd be interviewing me and like, oh, man, your work's awesome. What have you been doing since college? I'm like, I work at a gas station by the house and I love it. I love I like dealing with customers. I liked the whole nine yards. 
And they'd give me this look like, why are you working in a gas station? You're too talented for that. So I was like, okay, I got to get a job, something. And I felt like I was selling out to get a job in like t-shirts or something locally. That wasn't what I dreamed of doing. Turns out I was really good at t-shirt design. And then I moved into signs and I fell in love with signs to the point that like when we went on vacation, I'm taking pictures of the signs and not like the landscapes and stuff. Like I was like, Oh dude, check out this sign. You know what font that is? Oh man. And look what they did with like tweak that part. And Oh, I love like the color schemes and the layouts. I loved it. Just and you're so limited in that, like you have to catch people's attention quick and you have to be clear and concise. And, you know, like you can do all kinds of flowery stuff, but if you can't read the sign, it's pointless and you wasted everybody's money. And there's it. I enjoyed it. Like I was buying all the trade magazines. I'm following like YouTube channels and stuff about it. I love wow. I never expected to love it that much. And, you know, and then I, after that, I pretty much started doing freelance stuff and it would be everything from logo design to one time I sculpted like 45 fiberglass polar bears for Dixie Cafe and painted them and stuff. And we installed them um, all kinds of weird stuff, sculpted a guy's dogs for his Christmas present for his wife one year. That was hard. Making it look like a golden retriever is one thing. Making yeah. it look like brother and sister golden retriever and look different, but look like. That's an impossible task, but I pulled it off. Okay. Did all Those kinds of the ones stuff. I can do. I, there's that uncanny Valley where you can get <laughs> close and it just looks creepy. So yeah. I like either have to do cartoonish or like a photograph, but in between, like I, I struggle with that so much. And uh, it's funny. You reminded me a lot of the cool stuff that I got to do too. I was never considered myself an artist. Uh, I don't know why I love to kind of trace and draw as a kid, but um, I got into graphic design just because I needed graphics for websites that I was doing. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, consider myself a website designer, but I ended up at an advertising agency where we got to do banners and signs and all kinds of cool graphics and promotional products. And it's amazing when you get those restrictions of different mediums, what to do, you know, and everybody wants a gigantic, like big black letters on a bright yellow sign for their apartment complex. But if you can make something that looks cool and be read that well and actually get people's attention that's a really cool thing it's really I gotta, interesting I humble brag here one my favorite one i ever did uh was the jiffy loop early bird special banner so people all across the country i swear have seen my graphic uh artwork <laughs> where it says that's early awesome. bird special and uh it's so funny because they have different prices they would change like for time of the day so mm -hmm. I, you know i have to make the 24.99 and then the 18.99 and then the 34.99 oil change uh, oh, yeah. for all the different markets and, and different specials they have going on. But I worked really on cool. some, some Kentucky fried chicken window clings that were like the same way. Like, you know, I was like, yeah. you're the one, the chicken with the biscuit meal. Like I, I did that. Like that was, that was cool. And yeah. you know, you know, everybody's seen it, even though it's a weird thing stuck in the window at KFC, but it was so cool. Yeah, I love that stuff. Uh, my other favorite one was uh, I did the I had to update the Powerball numbers twice a week, you know, after the drawings. So my job for $100 a week was to go into the studio and go, the current Missouri Powerball jackpot is $37 million. That's it. hundred bucks. Like, hey. hey, I'll take that. That's a great gift. Absolutely. Uh, and then people are like, your voice kind of sounds familiar. I was like, oh, you probably heard it uh, somewhere because <laughs> I did that for like a year. Uh, uh Last fun question for you, and then we'll uh, we'll play a game. How do you uh, 
feel about mixing your play and work? I know some people feel like it sucks the fun out of it. If somebody else is paying you to do it, it becomes a job. But then I know you love creating stuff for yourself and having people buy it. Do you keep anything else sacred? Is there stuff you do just for fun and you won't sell? Or how do you balance that? I used to do more creative stuff for fun. Like I like, I really enjoy crafting terrain and buildings and rubble for my role-playing game that I play with my kids. Oh yeah, I've been cool. running this superhero game for like 30 years. My kids have grown up playing it. It's how they learn to do math and read and stuff like it's been a part of their lives forever. I like crafting that stuff, but like I've been so busy the last few years, I haven't been able to do that. But the balance thing is tough. And I, I'm the first one to tell people it is okay to keep your passion, your passion. You do not have to make a living off of it. You can do it because you love it. And that is fine. If you are the type of person that's really driven to make it your living, there's a lot of stuff that comes with that. And like a big part of my TikTok stream is just advice for artists and like, you know, things to watch out for, mistakes not to make, stuff like that, because it's so easy to get yourself in a trap and ruin your reputation and then you're shot. Um, I've done a lot of different things over the years and I spent several years completely disabled because of my Tourette syndrome. So when I started getting a little bit better and meds and everything worked out to where I could start doing work again, I had to rebuild a freelance career from the ground up. And I had to decide what was I going to chase after? Cause like I could make per hour doing logo design, what I make per page doing comic books. But I enjoy this work so much more and it's so much less stress and my clients are so much more excited. And when I was doing logo and design and stuff, primarily full-time, it was so much more stressful. You're dealing with people that have never hired an artist before and you're constantly running through, this is how the process works. This is when you yeah. can make adjustments and when you can't make revisions or it's going to cost more. And it just felt like. And you have to balance like their artistic vision with yours, which really is tough. I, I did some good logos, but man, it's, you're right. It's a, it's a weird thing because, because you end up feeling like you're definitely making a commercial and they don't project. know what they want half of the yeah. time. They just want it to be awesome. And they love it when you get done with it. And then they show their sister and now they don't like it. And you have to change it. Like, well, it's going to cost more. Well, why? Because I told you all along, if you make revisions after this point, it costs more. Okay. We did it. Now they love it. They showed their neighbor. Now we have to change it again. And <laughs> yeah, then they're not happy fine. with it in the end because you didn't let me do what you were happy with originally. You showed it to too many people. It, that took a lot of the fun out of it. You know, I agree. I still did it because graphic design was what I was best at. Art is what I'm best at. So that's what I did to make a living. Now I get to do the stuff that I love and it fits all of my storytelling and all of my creativity and all of my being able to make new characters on the spot to fill in the backgrounds. And I get to stick my friends and family in the back of all these books and stuff. And like, I enjoy it so much more now that even though some days I might be working 16 hour days, I'm loving my job. So it's, this is that you love what you do part yeah. that I always heard about, but I hadn't quite found yet. And so it's great if you can find that. Making a living doing art was still better than digging a ditch. I still yeah, like that. Yeah, for sure. I say that all the time too. And I, 
I was going to second that quote. I always bring it up because people say you'll never work another day in your life. Well, you still have to pay your taxes. There's still days when it's definitely work for sure, but it's way better than the alternative. And uh, so much great stuff to unpack there. I think you do, especially in uh, playing for a living or a career where you're working for yourself independently. You have to decide who you want your clients to be, the work that you want to do and how much you want to charge and, and who you want to be for. And that's a, that's the tough part, but that's also the fun part because you get to design your life and, and your work. So I did, uh, you reminded me there, want to give you a chance. Is there anything you want to share about, uh, Tourette's or any common myths or misconceptions (laughs) or messages of, uh, overcoming something like that? Or, um, is that just, you know, the first thing is Tourette syndrome is not just a swearing disease. I know everybody thinks that that's what it is. And that's what, that's what plays really easily in movies, but it's a much more complicated neurological disease. And I usually, when I meet new people, I like to explain to them, I have a neurological disease. Don't say the name. And I explained that basically it's like the wiring in my brain, the insulation's thin. So you get a lot of short circuits and you get a lot of cross signals. And sometimes that makes my face twitch. Sometimes it makes my shoulders jerk. Sometimes it makes my jaw clamp shut and I can't speak or my eyes clamp shut and I can't see you. Sometimes it makes me shake so violently that I can't walk. And I spent 15 years in a wheelchair, unable to walk, talk and see most days. I mean, I became a Tourette syndrome advocate because I spent so much time trapped in a body that didn't work. The only way I could communicate with the world was using one thumb and one eye to talk on my phone, but I could communicate through Facebook with people all over the world. And I could counsel with people that like their kid just got diagnosed and they're afraid their kid's life's over. And I could talk them through it and like, no, no, it's going to be okay. You know, chances are great. He's just going to sniff a lot when he grows up and blink a little like it's probably not going to be that bad, but even if it is severe, he's going to figure out ways to get around it. He's going to figure out what makes it worse, how to live with it. Like, the best advice I got from older people with Tourette's was to learn to surf the waves instead of fighting against the ocean. And if I let the one tick come out, then it comes out and it's gone. If I fight it, it builds up. And then next thing you know, I'm shaking so bad and I can't see and I can't talk and I can't walk and you know, it all builds up. But if I just let it go, then that one goes through, I'm fine. The next one comes by, I'm fine. And that works a lot better for me, but you know, some people can hold it in and suppress it. I cannot, mine is way stronger than that, but it's also, it's like a spectrum disorder, like autism and a lot of other things. There's so many different variations, so many things that we have in common, so many things that are so very different, so many subclass conditions like corporalia, which makes you yell at inappropriate things, which could be racial slurs or, you know, cuss words. It could be yelling out yellow rubber tugboat, which I say stuff like that a lot. I say nonsense, but it falls (laughs) under the same category because it's inappropriate. Uh, I have more trouble with echolalia, which is repeating what I hear. So if people swear around me, I tend to repeat that several times. Or, you know, like there are all kinds of movies about the civil rights struggle. I will not watch because I do not need those words stuck in my head. I do not need them coming out when my daughter-in-law and my black grandchildren are here at the house. I don't want them hearing Papa say that. So I don't watch those movies because I don't want to repeat it. I have more trouble with the repetition than like the actual impulse to say things like that. But uh, it it's complicated. It's complex. Be compassionate. Um, 
you know, I think you nailed the great advice there, which for me is really I, I heard somebody else say it this way. If you can't get out of it, get into it. Like, don't if you're trying to fight something really hard and it's not going away, like that's your cue that you just got to lean into it. That That's part of, of what you got. You better get into it. And a lot of times once you work through that stuff, then it does uh, go away and get better. At least like you become more com- comfortable with it. And- I've learned all the things that I need to do for myself to help the process. Like I have to get enough sleep every night. I have to eat regularly. I set alarms to remind me to eat lunch because I'll forget. I have to eat healthy. I need to exercise. Um, I need to keep my stress and anxiety low because that makes it a whole lot worse. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm on a good mix of medications right now and stuff. Like when I balance everything out, and I try not to stress out and fight about it. If I yell out something ugly, I try not to let myself fall down the anxiety rabbit hole of, oh, my God, I can't believe I said that. I had to insult somebody because the more I stress out about it, the more likely it is to come out again. If I just yeah. relax and like that stinks, I apologize, which hadn't happened, but don't let myself stress out about it. It doesn't have to become a regular tick that I yell out every day for a month. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for sharing. I, I think it's um, unusual for sure, but also relatable. I think everybody's got their thing that they struggle with and some oh, of them are more yeah. difficult than others, but how you deal with it um, I think is, is right on and great advice for a lot of people. So uh, do you want to play a game? Absolutely. All right. We are spinning the wheel. We got 10 games that it could land on and you got Awkward questions. Uh, awkward questions is going to be fun. You said you just uh, like to share uh, inappropriate stuff, uh, so you should be good at this one. <laughs> um, I, I got unusual questions for you here today. I'm going to start with the the sci-fi one. If aliens land in your front uh, of your home, steal your lawn ornaments, but the only evidence left is several odd footprints, would you inform the press? No, they'd never believe me. So I don't need the attention of being a kook. No, thank you. (laughs) All right. Good answer. I thought that'd be uh, an interesting one for you. Uh, What would you rather assume the starring role in a drag show or a tampon commercial? The drag show would be fun. I mean, you know, exactly. I, I could act a fool and have a big time and be over the top, especially if I'm lip syncing and I don't have to sing. I, I hate to think what my role would be. In the t- I don't want to do the other one. So absolutely. Uh, drag show. All right. I, I love this one. Uh, I agree with you on that one too. Um, which body topping would you prefer the next time you make love spaghetti sauce or maple syrup? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Those aren't like really great choices. They're like really sticky or like really chunky and greasy. Yeah. I, I go spaghetti sauce, I guess. Cause I, 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 I'm with you. Maple I can't eat that much maple syrup. Sticky. So yeah. Oh yeah. I'm making you sick. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Well, thanks for playing. Uh, you win the game. So that means we got a free 30 second commercial here. Uh, any asks or gives for the audience, how we can help you or you can help us. I'll get some easy ones out of the way here. Go to go Mr. Fish 
dot com. Uh, look for Mr. Fish Comics anywhere. You can just Google that uh, on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, you can also get previews of the books. So we have T-Man and Hyperstrike or the new one, Green Zone, Life in the Blocks. If you go to that website as well, go MrFish.com. Anything else you want to add there? Go MrFish.com. Whenever you listen to this is going to take you either to where you can buy my books or the next Kickstarter. And because we're small press indie, that's how we do our books. You know, the Kickstarter helps raise money to pay me to be able to do the next book. You know, it helps me keep the lights on to be able to do the next one and print the books and ship the books and all of that stuff. So, you know, any support to that is absolutely wonderful. Even if it's just sharing the Kickstarters out because getting in front of new eyes is the biggest thing. It's the hardest part as a small press indie publisher, when you're not Disney with all the money to throw it advertising everywhere, it's so hard to get in front of those eyes of people that would actually enjoy stories like this. And, you know, this story is well-written, well-illustrated. I do the whole nine yards, which is really rare for a book like this, but I write it, I pencil it, ink it, color it, letter it. I do everything but the editing because that's just a bad idea. You don't need to edit your own books. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's tough. You got to get a lot of distance before you. Can yeah. You need it. to have somebody that will hurt your feelings that'll edit for you. And I love <laughs> that, but uh, it's my passion project. It's a story that I've been working on for 10 years now. And I'm so excited that it's finally hitting the ground and people are going to get to read it and experience it. And I've got so so much planned for this world that, you know, if everybody likes it and they want to keep buying it, I could keep doing this book for the next 10 years, you know, fingers crossed. Yeah. I love what you said earlier about, you don't have to get rich off of it. You just need to get enough money to be able to do it again. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, you can make a life and a career out of it. I think that's great advice to end on. So thanks again for being on the show, Mr. Fishley. Go MrFish.com. If you want more information on PlayfulHumans.com, I would say the same advice. Share this episode with somebody that you think needs to hear it. Uh, maybe a kid that needs to draw or something. Or um, if you uh, are into it, um, share this, subscribe, like it, help uh, get the word out to more people and help more adults rediscover the power of play. We've got lots of cool resources on the website, a quiz you can take and all kinds of cool stuff. So go to PlayfulHumans.com. We'll see you next time. For tomorrow, live for today. Keep on chasing the sunshine and go out and play. Go play, everybody.